But the point is it illustrated that sort of the dominant prevailing, I don't know, Christian church understanding of sin is your actions, right? Yeah. Sin is action. And what I want to suggest today, and we're going to dig into a deep Heath, is no, the sin is the unbelief behind your action. Because mm. scripture teaches that all sin comes from lack of faith, or another word for faith is unbelief, sure. and what's true about God. Mm. And in the gospel, that would also lead to, so if we're not believing the truth about God, then I'm not believing the truth about me or you, and that's what leads to my sinful actions, mm. right? Yep. That's very different than the action itself, because how do you address sinful actions? Stop it. Yeah. Stop doing that. Or, you know, you really got to stop talking to people that way or your wife or, you know, this particular sin or whatever. But what if it's like, no, what we need to address is the unbelief in what's true about God behind that sin that's leading you to act that way, think that way, have that emotion. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. What's happening in your world this week? Y'all good? I hope so. My wife Tina is recovering from some leg surgery, and this last week or so, I've been playing nurse and physical therapist and chef and shower assistant while she rests up and gets full use of her leg back. It's really been kind of fun, though, I think, getting to serve her a little bit extra. Hope she feels that way. I think she does. She's been pretty appreciative. Hey, you know what else also happened this last week? My book, Transformed, maybe you've read it, with the second edition, just came back from the printer, hot off the press, Transformed, and I, I'm really excited because it's it's been not available for a little while. You can get it on Amazon, but you had to find a used copy. We were between publishers and printers, and now it's on Missio Publishing. I was telling you about that a couple weeks ago. Some more books are coming, but Transformed is available. And if you don't know what that's about, like what if Christianity were less about doing and more about being? We talk a lot about that on the show. And in Transformed, I'll show you that when you became a Christian, everything about you changed in an instant. You received your new identity based on who Jesus is, not on who you were. And now as a believer, you literally are part of God's family of missionary servants. Mm -hmm. This is who you are. It's not what you do. It's all identity stuff. That's what the book Transforms really about. And when you're set free from performance-driven spirituality and guilt, you'll draw closer to God and allow him to radically change your well-worn rhythms and patterns in your everyday life and transform your relationships from the inside out as well. Transformed is really for those who yearn for a deeper, more authentic faith, one that's flowing out of your identity and it empowers you to live out of who God now says you are. So I'm pretty excited that it's available again by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash transformed. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash transformed. Okay, hope you'll check that out. Now, today, I'm bringing Heath Hounsby on with me to talk about something that is so much a part of our disciple-making and a big part of our gospel fluency and how we've learned to speak the truth of the gospel to sin in our lives and with others in community. This will really reframe how you view sin forever. Heath, 
One thing I wanted to hit on before we jump in is the Growing Podcast Facebook group. Yeah. We had a new guest even this week. Greg jumped in and said he's really enjoying the podcast. He said there's a really cool balance between uh, wisdom and actually finding some useful, practical, and meaningful ways to grow and living out the gospel. And so, That's, Greg, super glad wow, you're here. humbling. That. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. And we'll get to uh, some of your suggestions on future All podcasts. Right. That's awesome. Hey, so today we're going to talk about where sin comes from and how we can actually move away from our own particular like brand of sin yeah. and try to find freedom from it, um, something that I just recently learned out how to be able to do, oh, sinless. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Sin-Free. You know, right. I actually talked to a... I used to travel with somebody who, who claimed that they could go days and days and days without sinning because they perfected it. Well, I feel like it's a privilege sitting across from you today, Heath, yeah. Sin-Free over here. <laughs> it's interesting, too, you said your own particular brand of sin. Like, yeah. like It makes me think like I should get a T-shirt like with a brand, a logo on it with my brand of sin, whatever it is. You know? I don't drink too much. I just roll through stop signs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I just yeah. speed all the time. Yeah. I just, yeah. I have really bad thoughts about people. I shouldn't think this <laughs> way. That would be a really big logo. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's jump into this. Yeah. Let's uh, get into this. Cause this idea of sin, like some people are tuning on already. Like, oh, I don't want to hear about sin, but it's like, Hey, hold on. Because the way we're actually going to define it today is very different than a lot of people think of it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And and even, okay, so then what do we do about it? Very different than maybe the way many of our listeners have been raised. Certainly a, a different than I always thought about it until, yeah. you know, years recently here. So We've always thought it was uh, sin management was the purpose of the gospel. And what you're saying is we often define sin as actions, like sinful actions, things that we've done. But I think it's yeah. probably a bit more than that. What would well, you say? Well, it is. Think about, think about how uh, maybe some of your early evangelism training, you know, like get people to admit they're sinners, right? Because yeah. yeah. if they do... And it was all action-based stuff. No, I don't think I'm a sinner. The person would say, you're like, have you ever told a lie? Mm, maybe a white lie. Well, it's a lie, you know. You're a liar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or have you, you ever taken a pencil home from work or from school? Well, you're st you're a thief, you know, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But, but that was the epitome of it, right? I mean, there's whole classes on how to do that. Sure. But the point is it illustrated that sort of the dominant prevailing, I don't know, Christian church understanding of sin is your actions, right? Yeah. Sin is action. And- what I want to suggest today, and we're going to dig into it deep, Heath, is you know, the sin is the unbelief behind your action. Because mm -hmm. scripture teaches that all sin comes from lack of faith, or another word for faith is unbelief, sure. and what's true about God. Hmm. And in the gospel, that would also lead to, so if we're not believing the truth about God, then I'm not believing the truth about me or you, and that's what leads to my sinful actions, hmm. right? Yep. Now, it's very different than the action itself. Because how do you address sinful actions? Stop it. Yeah. Stop doing that. Or you, you, know, you really got to stop talking to people that way or your wife or, you know, this particular sin or whatever. But what if it's like, no, what we need to address is the unbelief in what's true about God behind that sin that's leading you to act that way, think that way, have that emotion. Yeah. Unbelief is a major sin that like all these other disrespects. It's the only of it. sin. Yeah. The, yeah. So like sometimes we want to think like, Something caused my sin, like, hey, that guy, that jerk cut me off in traffic, and that's why I got so angry. No, that guy cutting you off in traffic merely revealed what was in your heart already, hmm. that the road is mine, and I'm kind of sovereign over my schedule, and everybody else in the road should kind of go along with it. So when this guy, who knows why, accidentally cut me off, that's what that's what produces this, like sort of anger to the level of like, whoa, wait a minute, road ragey here, you know? yeah, right. And it's or, easier to justify through an. Action. Well, I hollered at my kids because they broke my favorite X Y Z, or they, you know, my my son slapped you know his sister again, and we've talked about it a million times. That's why I hollered at him and lost my cool, but he earned it. Well, no, you're you're trying to be sovereign over your kids and think that somehow you can actually 
control their behavior, their thoughts, hmm. as other little image-bearing humans, that's the sin behind the book. You're not believing God is sovereign and he created your kids and that he's working with them and on them. And you're and part of why you get ticked off, I mean, let's just be honest, part of why we flip out when our kids disobey us or act up or they sin sure. is because it's a reflection on me. You're making me look bad. Right? <laughs> How many people listen today have said that? Yeah. <laughs> Yikes, right? I heard it. Yep. So, so see how different that is right away, right at the get-go here, is that when we talk about sin, we're talking about the unbelief behind the action. The action is sort of merely the outgrowth of the unbelief. And, and by the way, this is in every sin. Hmm. There's, no, there's no sin, uh, and a, a thing you do, a belief, uh, I mean, uh, words you have, thought life, uh, weird emotions towards somebody or whatever. Sure. Emotions are good, but you know sometimes we have tweaked emotions that then lead to sin. Every sin has unbelief behind it, according to Scripture. Hmm. That's great, man. Right? I know. I know one guy that was formative a couple of years ago for me, and I think you've you've said as well as Tim Chester helping you a lot with this area. Yeah, Tim, man, for sure. Tim's an author, but he's also a friend and yeah. uh, lives over in England. Lives in community. He's written a gazillion great books. So I mean, seriously, anybody today, we'll put show notes for, you know, some of his stuff for this episode, but um, man, just Google, you know, Amazon up, Tim Chester, Tim Chester yeah. anything, gosh, anyway. So yeah, he, so here's, he, he was, he was teaching one day, like we were sitting in on some teaching his, right? And he says this, okay, and it below, it like drops the mic kind of thing, you know? <laughs> he, he says, sinful acts always have their origin in some form of unbelief. Behind every sin is a lie. And the root of all our behavior and emotions is the heart, hmm. what it trusts and what it treasures. So people are given over to sinful desires because they've, quote unquote, exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So he says this and we're like, what? Wait, you know? Yeah. So the, but then here's the backup from scripture. Romans one twenty five says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Yep. And then Romans 14.23 says everything that does not come from faith... Another word for that is belief, is sin. Hmm. Now, our listeners will be familiar with this. We just we define discipleship as the process of moving from unbelief to, to belief in every area of life. Yep. Yeah. About what's true about God and then therefore true of us in Christ. And so how do we get to live, right? And yeah. that's what's behind this. So we've we kind of we kind of dove into that a little bit in previous episodes, right? Yeah. Uh even episode 110, when we talked about how a better understanding of the gospel transforms your life. And, and we walked through the four questions. Yeah, I was going through we some were... financial stuff, and you were going like, the sin behind the sin is actually this. Yeah, right? 110, so, listen to it. So again. that's, yeah. So that's kind of what we're talking about here, is sinful acts have their origin in some form of unbelief. So like when you're looking at your own life, maybe you're beating yourself up over sin, something that just isn't seemingly going away, or I can't believe I did that again, or sin in your spouse's wife, sin in your kid's. Do you address the action or do you ask the spirit to help you and, and guide you to like, well, what's the unbelief? What's the lack of faith? Hmm. What's the lie we're believing about a person, about God, about ourselves that's leading to this sinful thought, action, emotions? Sure. You know, and that's something we're growing even in our family and with the staff I serve alongside is it's so easy for us to want to patrol people's sin because then we can actually pinpoint it down to, well, stop doing this, stop doing this. But, um, it sounds like the heart level is really any leader in the church, any parent, any spouse, any any human. A friend. Yeah, any <laughs> a friend. neighbor, yeah. It sounds like the heart level is really what we need to be going after rather than actions. I, yes, and I can remember Heath like being taught this and policed like this and, and then therefore becoming this type of a, you know, Christian cop 
is you like, oh, look at my neighbors across the street. They're living together. They're not married. And so I would have to muster up the gumption to tell them that living together outside of marriage is sin. Now, is that a true statement? Absolutely it is. God's design for couples is that they would live together in marriage, right? And he'd be a part of that. Like that's like the whole reason we've been given marriage, show what he's like, right? Um, But is God concerned because two of his image bearers sleep in the same apartment, you know what I mean? Like live together. Or is he concerned that they're not believing what's true of him and who he created them to be and this beautiful institution of marriage that's a picture of the gospel? Yep. That's what God's asking us to think about. So now think about what changes if you look at uh, uh, anybody and you pick your, like you said, your own brand of sin. You're looking at someone else, you're looking at yourself, you're looking at your kids and going like, instead of going like, I really wish they'd stop that, I should tell them that. I should give them a verse that yeah. tells them it's sinful. That doesn't help with anybody because yeah. all, all they're left with is, We'll try harder or stop it. That's called the law. <laughs> well, in fact, it ends up like a giant game of whack-a-mole, right? Because if you try to stop it in one area, it's just going to move somewhere else because the heart issue is still unbelief. Exactly. So we've always, we want to we want to retrain ourselves that with ourselves and with others to go after the unbelief behind the actions. Yeah. And I think Tim's, uh, his four G's, uh, things that he, you know, the four G's he talks about is really helpful here. You want to unpack that? Yeah, first? that's that's kind of the center where I want to go today with this. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so, go for it. So first I want to say though, this sort of heart level perspective is pretty radical view of sin and even repentance. Because what's repentance? Repentance isn't like feel bad and stop it. Repentance is move from unbelief to belief. That's what repent means. It means turn from the lies you've been li- believing and living out right. to the truth about who God is and now live in light of that. Um, but this perspective is also pretty helpful view of sin because it very clearly shows us a way out. And that's mm-hmm. what leads to Tim's mind blowing four G's there again, that, that one time when he was dropping this on us, we were like, what? Hold on. You know, and he just sneaks these, we call them the four G's because they're four truths about God Yep. that when unbel- when we don't believe them or we believe the opposite, a lie about God in these four areas, they lead to every human sin. Now, by the way, um, just to give, you know, more props to Tim. These four G's are they're dealt with and talked about pretty amazingly in his book called "You Can Change." Hmm. All right, and that's that's where uh, that's where this ultimately comes out of. But I had heard him talking about it, and we were like, "Holy cow, stop her!" Lots of questions. (laughs) Let's go for a long walk. I got some stuff to unpack. What am I not believing? So let me let me give you these four eternal truths about God. Okay, that uh, that um, when not fully believed, they lead to every human sin. Okay, Okay. call them the four G's. So. By the way, each one starts with a G. That's why they're called that. But they also have a corresponding statement that goes with them. And when I first heard these four statements, this alone, I had to like er, pull over and like, oh my gosh, right now the Holy Spirit's convicting me on a couple of these. Hmm. So I just, you know, I'll lay these on you. We got folks listening to the show today. Listen to these four G's and the corresponding statements and just marinate <laughs> marinate on that and yeah. let's like let the spirit talk to you about any of these in issue right mm. so here's the four g's okay god is great so i don't have to be in control mm. okay wow that's huge <laughs> um i'm gonna give them all and i'm gonna come back and yep. unpack them all just a bit that's cool uh, next one god is glorious so i don't have to fear others mm. yeah god is good so I don't have to look elsewhere for my satisfaction. Wow. And then the fourth one is God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. 
so freeing, man. Just hearing <laughs> just hearing those again is like, oh, my oh gosh. Man. I tell you, when I when I first had these, like I said, they were so convicting in certain areas. Like God is great, so I don't have to be control. I mean, the spirit starts running over all the things in my life that I'm yeah. stressing on. And I'm like, I, well, you can't control that. You can't control the sun coming up and down. You can't really control your health. You can't control your kids. Can't control. I can't control myself. Yeah. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I, I took these four Gs and those corresponding statements, and uh, I, I put them up on a wall. You know what I mean? Like, I put them on a fridge. I don't know what my neighbors thought about them, you know, <laughs> if they're not believers. I'm thinking about putting them on, like, an hourly alert on my iPhone just every hour to remind <laughs> yeah. me. Put them in a car. Put them, like, tuck one in your Bible. Yeah. And by the way, when we get to this week's big three, and yeah. people can download the big three, I'm also going to include, like, a really cool suitable for framing you know oh uh, sweet copy of the 4g so people can just print off the, you know print it off and just tack it up awesome you know, and they want to shrink it down and make it bigger whatever they want to do yeah. so let's just unpack these just a little bit is that cool yeah let's do it okay so um god is great so i don't have to be in control so think about in your own life heath what what areas of your life do you go like you know what i stress or i'm freaking or i'm trying to control this person's thoughts about me yeah. or their actions or their response to me or whatever and it's producing anxiety in me. It's producing maybe not great relational stuff. Yep. Any of that ring a bell? Constant. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm thinking of four situations just this morning, you know, and yeah. the stresses and you get wound up because it's a rabbit hole, man. You try to control one thing and then how they respond and I'm going to have to control that. I got to think about this. But see, the truth is, um, it is, it is a fallacy that we actually control anything. Yeah. Think about what you try to control in life and think about what you actually honestly have control over nothing some people might say well i have control over my time sort of anybody ever interrupt you in the day yeah, yeah and it ticks me off well exactly see yeah <laughs> see and so remembering that god is great he alone is sovereign he and he is in control well wait a minute so it means all this stuff happening and all this stuff's not my issue mm -hmm. yeah it's not so now i have the freedom to go god you're great so you only do what is out. good right and perfect so I don't have to be in control. Yeah. It's so freeing, man. What about when you're flipping out on your kids like, because, oh my gosh, they're making me look bad and people at the church or people at work or school, they're going to think we're horrible parents. Yeah. Hey, God is great. I don't I have to be in control. control. Yeah. In fact, I'm not. And we talk about our head-heart distortion. Yeah, I think we'll it might that, come yeah. up a little. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit. Like, Because right away, as soon as I read these, God is great, God is glorious, God is good, God is gracious, I'm guessing all of our listeners are going, yep, I believe all that. But then let that corresponding statement like sort of soak in and let the spirit marinate that. And like, where in your life are you struggling to believe that? Yeah. Let's go to the next one. God is glorious. So I don't have to fear others. Now the word glorious, you know, comes from glory, right? And glorifying. Yep. We, we've talked about this in the past. God's glorious. The glory, that word means heavy in, in Hebrew, the heavy, weighty, hmm. right? Glory. And it also carries with it this idea of the original. So when we say God is glorious, and we sing this in songs and all that, sure. he's the heaviest, he's the original, and, and and he loves us. Yeah. He he looks at us as perfect in Christ, right? Perfect in Christ, perfected. And so because God is glorious, he's the glorious one, I don't have to fear others and what they think of me. Yeah, you can be yourself. So yeah. so here I can be myself without sin or with sin and knowing that the glorious one yep. loves me unconditionally. Sees me forgiven, sees me in Christ, sees me as his image bearer, sees me as his son. Now, what does that do to my worry about how others view me? You know, fear of man Frees you up, man. 
Yeah. I was just I, telling you about that even this morning before we started recording. I was like, there's a situation in my life where in the past, somebody I would be afraid of in a position that would terrify me. And so I'd change who I was and live as a coward and and feel oppressed. I'm able to actually speak into that. Dude, because God is glorious. I don't have to. See, when like, you have the approval and you believe it, you believe he's glorious and more glorious than anybody else, then the fear of man issues go away because, yep. see, like, I love you, man. You are my best friends. Yeah. And so I, I care what you think about me, but I got to be honest, now, in light of this, you're just not that glorious, you know what I mean, yeah. compared to the glorious one who hung, hung the stars and spoke seasons into motion and, and worlds into existence, and compared to a, a God, Jesus, who hung on a cross and died for me, dude, I'm sorry, bro, you're just not that glorious. So though I care about your opinion, check this out, I'm not controlled by it anymore. Mm-hmm. And since it doesn't control me, guess what? We can actually have a pure relationship because my response to things isn't measured to how I can get Heath yep. to like to me or respond in a certain way, which yeah. means I don't have to manipulate you in the relationship. We can be clean yep. knowing that the glorious one who really matters loves us both. Yep. And so now we don't have to actually try to manage each other's uh, approval or- So much less pressure. See, there's not re- can you even have a real relationship if really secretly behind it, both sides are only always performing and trying to manipulate a response to make me feel good? No way. But when that goes away, relationships get rich and it all changes. So God is glorious. So I don't have to fear others. And he's good. Wow. <laughs> okay. So the next one, God is good. And then the corresponding statement is, so I don't have to look elsewhere for my satisfaction. Now, to get at that one, people are saying like, oh, I don't know if that's my particular sin or not. Um, Look at what you complain about in life. Hmm. Look about what you complain about or what bugs the heck out of you. Or sometimes even about what you're stoked about. Um, So think about your kids, your spouse, your house, your income, your your family of origin, um, your job, your church, whatever, fill in the blank. If God is good and he only, scripture teaches he only and always does what is good and right and perfect, then we don't have to look elsewhere for our satisfaction because he's the better, he's the best, he's the source. He only does what is good, which means if that's the house you're in, then that's the house God has for you. And if he's good, then it must be a good house. Now, does that mean we can't desire, hey, well, you know, we got a couple more kids, it'd be nice to have a bigger house. Sure, but that's there's a difference between you know, I would be great to have a little more square footage around here versus, man, I am really starting to do things and think things and try to solve things on my own because you know what, God, you're good and all. I mean, it's great that we have a house. Lots of people in the world don't have houses. Sure. But, or like, it's easier maybe to understand like, you know, that, that thing with your spouse, it's just not going away. It's just not going away. God, it bugs me. Freaking bugs me. Never, nothing ever changes. <laughs> yeah. Everybody listen and goes, yeah, I got a hold of this. Yeah, thing. I got one or two of those. Yeah. But you're saying, you know what you're really saying in your heart? God, you're not that good. Like yeah. if, if, if I'd have made my spouse, I'd have been gooder at it wow, or I'd have given myself huge. a different spouse. Guess what? They'd have something else that bugs you because that thing that bugs the heck out of you and your spouse or any other person for sure. that matter is the thing that you're not like Jesus in yet. And God, ex- he leaves it there to sand on yeah. our unbelief so that so we can good. go like, you know what? My spouse, Tina, my wife, right? Tina, she's not God and she's not perfectly good all the time. But whatever it is about her that bugs me, God's still working that out in my heart. So I'll trust his goodness yep. and not expect her to somehow be him. Yeah. Well, that takes the pressure off of her and me. 
God yeah. is good, so I don't have to look else for for my satisfaction. That's that. Yeah, that was a huge one for me. Really, six months. Yeah, coming out of a performance industry and taking that into yeah, we both have was. yeah, music, both music backgrounds and, and, yeah. and performing and numbers and sales and yeah, I was looking everywhere except for God under the guise of leading people to Jesus. Yeah, sad. And so whatever it is, that, you know, that's why I said you can look at what you complain about in life, and you're yeah. basically saying, God, you're not that good in that area. Or you can even look at sometimes what you're stoked about. And you start to put your hope in that, like this thing is awesome. But then you start to go, oh, but what if that went away? Hmm. Uh, see, God is, he's the better. He's, he's, he's good. He's the best. And All right, so, let's go to gracious. Okay, so God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. Ooh. Now, this God is gracious thing is almost like the cleanup, you know, for yeah. all of them. Like they can almost all fall under this because I, I don't think we have a, under, a good understanding of grace often. You know, we have it in our head, but man, and for me, this is the one. Uh, God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. And and Tim talks about, in the book, he talks about there's three things here that get alleviated. There's three areas that we want to prove ourselves in okay. that lead to all kinds of wacky sin and masks and lies and stress and freaking out. God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to prove myself first off to myself. Hmm. Wow. I mean, think about the things you do in life because you don't want to feel like a dirtbag or you want to feel like, I'm good at this, or yeah. I, I want to feel like people like me for that or whatever, right? Yep. And there's, a, I mean, here's an old cultural reference, but a lot of people will get it. There's a line in, in the first Rocky movie where his uh, his corner man, yeah, guy that talks like this, hey, rock, right? You know, whatever his <laughs> yeah. name was. Whatever. I never saw it. No, what? No, oh my goodness. Like people write in. I'm pretending like I know. Right I'll, I'll watch it. So anyway, so like, Rocky's just getting beat to a pulp, right? And that's every movie, every Rocky movie. Sure. And finally his corner guy's like, you know, Cut, cut it out, rock, give it up, you know, whatever, throw in the towel, whatever. I remember the line. And he goes, I'm trying to prove to myself that I'm not a bum, huh? you know? And so because of his life and his upbringing and the, the way the world works and maybe parenting and all, sure. we can often be trying to prove ourselves to ourselves, hmm. And that leads to all kinds of wackiness and sin and weirdness. Another thing, God is gracious enough to prove myself to others. Yeah, that's one I'm with a lot. Man. Okay. Now people say that, that kind of sounds like God is glorious enough to fear others. Well, one is I fear what they're going to do. On this side of it, God is gracious. In other words, I have his complete unmerited favor, so I don't have to now, towards other people, always be trying to prove myself. Sure. You know what, you know what this stuff leads to? To put, to put my feet on this one? You're trying to prove yourself? You work on godly hours. You always say yes to everything. Um, it uh, it might be like even within your marriage, your relationship, you're trying to always prove, you know, trying to prove this or that. So you come down hard schedule? over here. huh? Like a crowded schedule? Like yeah. I got to be at every birthday invite, and I got to be at every... Yeah, like, I got to be at every game. I got to yep. be at everything, every kid's birthday, every, all of it, right? Because, like, you know, ultimately you're trying to prove yourself to everyone else. To everyone else. Like, no, that's a good dad right there, you know, but secretly, maybe not in your heart in certain areas. Yeah. Third one is you're trying to prove yourself to God. Hmm. Now, this one gets deep, man. This one runs deep, and I, I will have to stop pretty soon after this because sure. it's like, whoa. I'm trying to prove myself worthy to God because if I can, and you can't because he already died for you. Sure. <laughs> so you can't. But it, but if I think I can prove myself worthy to God, then all of his grace, all his goodness in my life, I've kind of earned it. Mm. And I, I'd rather sit in the seat of debt holder than the debtor, the person who owes, because that puts me back in the seat of being God in my life. Yeah. Follow and that? it undermines the initial four Gs altogether because you're in that position. Yeah. That's go, right. God but you follow great. that? If I think somehow I've proved myself to God and he should bless my life and that's why he forgave my sins because I'm a pretty good guy over here, you know, yeah. pretty good wife, you know, whatever. Um, then he kind of owes me 
and I like being in that seat. And that is the worst sin of all. That's the original sin. It's like God is holding something out, but I watched this. I proved it. Right. Heads up. God doesn't owe you anything. (laughs) If we actually got what we deserve from God, it'd be, it'd be a horror story. Right. Yeah. And, and. But instead, we get it. We get unmarried favor. We get life, and we get love, and we get eternal life. Adoption and, and all, all that. that. Yeah. So there they are, man. See, God amazing. is great. God is glorious. God is good, and God is gracious. And in getting after those things, looking for the thing behind the thing, will will free you up. Yeah, it really will. So the neat thing is that rather than trying to have to get better, we can actually start with these four G's immediately. Like even right now, just start running through them in your head, playing them over, repeat the podcast, start living into some of this. And I think it'd be helpful to actually identify like. Don't just take these in practice. Yeah, God's good. He's great. He's gracious. Yeah, so here's a suggestion. Like take one thing, like one sin in your life. You go, ooh, that's super recurring. You yeah. Know, thought, action, whatever. And pray and ask the Spirit of God to show you what's the unbelief in light of these four Gs behind that. Yeah. And then what's true of God instead and yeah. true of myself. Start there. And there's freedom in that stuff. It's Pandora's box though. I mean, it's going to start attacking you. Yeah, but in the best possible the way. The best way. All right. So let's jump on to the big three because we are talking a lot about sin. And along with this week's download, we're going to add that cool looking 4G mini poster thing that Caesar was talking about. Yep. So you can actually print it off and have the 4Gs in every room of your house, if you would like, or wherever you want it. Hand it to some people. <laughs> <laughs> Get it tattooed I, on your you arm. Know, I keep it printed around because like when I do like say marriage counseling or, or just personal counseling, yeah, will you generally talk through these four things and I'll spin it around, slide it across the table and go, anything there? Usually they self-identify, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm totally thinking God's not good, or I'm totally trying to control everybody here. Yeah, that's I good. Don't, I don't need to. I mean, it's like, it's the most amazing counseling tool. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to wow. get that in the big three this week. And as always, you can get the big three download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Here they are. So head our hands. We're going to go head, what you need to believe, mm-hmm. heart, or what you need to know, what you need to believe, and then what we can start doing. Okay, so first one, know that God always looks at your heart and the belief or unbelief behind your actions, sinful or righteous. So even your righteous actions, God's looking at your heart behind them. It's our heart and trust that he truly desires from us, not perfect behavior. That's great. That might surprise some people, but God's not looking for perfect people. Hmm. He's already forgiven all that stuff. He's looking for trust. He's looking for belief. Same word, right? Second, believe that your actions do not define who you are. Past, present, or future, God himself defines you. You're his image bearer. And he longs to restore your true identity and wants you to believe it is how he now sees you if you're in Christ. You're his dearly loved son or daughter, regardless of your past or future sin. Such good news, man. Man, It really (laughs) is. And then third one, sort of the actionable here, moving from unbelief to belief about what is true about God is the secret. Hmm. You know, out of his identity and character flows his actions and will. And as we move from unbelief to belief concerning these truths about him, we will be led out of sinful actions and negative emotions. You'll be set free to be and trust God is working out his great and glorious and good and gracious will in your lives. So good, man. I mean, I almost want to repeat that, but we're running late. So (laughs) get the big three download. That'll all be in there along with that Coolio little mini poster of the four G's and the corresponding statements and all that. Well, that's it for today. Next week, we'll continue to look at the four G's and how they can really impact your parenting. It'll be challenging, maybe a little convicting, but I think you're going to love it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 